You're listening to Double Feature with Eric 13 and Michael Kester. Michael Kester, it is so good to hear from you. Yeah, did you know that Michael Mann made a horror movie in the 80s? <laughs> yeah, I did know that. <laughs> the Criterion stream told me I should uh, watch it for Halloween. And it's like simultaneously the most and least Michael Mann. It's like the most Michael Mann horror movie, but the least Michael Mann, Michael Mann movie. <laughs> Do you hear that? I feel like our phones are being tapped. Oh, is that what's going on already? I don't know. If, actually, I don't know if it is or not. I still haven't <laughs> figured out if uh, this is just how, how busy things have been. I don't know if our, our last show was even recorded. Or if this one's Great. been recorded, so that's good. Great. I don't know if phone taps uh, sound different than normal phone calls because my phone call with you is the only time I use my phone to make <laughs> phone calls all week. I swear this is getting better. <laughs> the show. I know it's slow, but we basically had to learn to do shows all over again. So it, yeah. it is, in its own odd way, getting better. Bear with us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Keep. What's the other movie we're going to do today? Uh, it's called, oh my God, uh, the, what is it? The Curious Case? What is the first part oh of it? God, I don't know. We'll, we, we, it's like the Curious Case of Dr. Jekyll and Ms. Osborne. Wow. Or some shit like that. It's got some crazy, the, the American name is, is vastly different than the French name. The French name is just like three women. And the American name is like, let me tell you a tale about Dr. Jekyll and this woman, Ms. Osborne, whom he bedded with. Okay. Well, maybe, uh, maybe we'll talk about the keep and then we can go look up the <laughs> title and, and figure out uh, what the hell we're watching. Um, yes, I, I cornered you and forced you to watch two uh, Criterion Channel movies because you I did, just thought... Yeah. Here's, Not even from this year. Well, here's why this happened is because... I saw their their trailer. Their trailer was like 80s horror movies. And at this point, there was a time in my life where I was like, yes, I will just eat this up. And here I am like a decade later being like, oh, that just means a bunch of movies I've already seen. This right. is of no use to me. Yeah. And I saw the stupid, this is, you know, advertising works. I saw the stupid tile so many times. That's that 80s horror trailer. And the Criterion trailers are always so good on their mm -hmm. streaming service, so I clicked it. And man, just visionary montage, scene after scene. Mm -hmm. I'm like, wait, what are all these? It was like I was on another planet, man. I'm in an alternate universe where I've seen no 80s horror movies, and all these things are showing up. And I recognize some of them, and I've, you know, some I've seen and forgotten the scenes. But some of the really visual stuff is like not my usual go-tos for right. 80s horror. So I wanted to look at the list. But yeah, you're right. This is, you know, The Keep is, uh, I didn't know that Michael Mann had made a horror movie before I saw The Keep. Yeah. And I had no idea what The Keep was. And it's, this is another funny thing about streaming, I think, is, uh, I don't know how connected into this stuff you are, but I feel like I am now seeing people talk about The Keep everywhere. I haven't seen a ton of Keep combo, but... Yeah, because they, they played it at uh, the Roxy Cinema here. Okay. And I see it on Screenslate, and I see it um, on, uh, on Twitter and stuff. 
And I just feel like all my friends are like logging it on Letterboxd. And so I don't know, it's just kind of strange that a movie that, you know, the first time I saw the, the title for The Keep, I thought it was... Um, the Gate. The Gate, yeah, totally. Yeah, same, same. So weird that we had that same thought. <laughs> and it's like, oh yeah, we could talk about like special effects and there's, you know, mm-hmm. which we still can, but um, totally different movie and I just didn't even, even fucking know it existed. Yeah, I mean, this movie, it's, it, it's um, you know, it's got, it's got one of those like classic 80s production stories where, you know, legend has it or fact has it or whatever that like over an hour of the movie is on the cutting room floor somewhere um it's like one of those movies that has like an alan smitty story but still has the director's name on it what is the um, story well there's i mean it's essentially just that that when michael mann put his horror movie together it was a fucking three hour runtime you know nazi indiana jones sort of thing and the production the production uh house distributor whomever was basically like listen bud like you know we love thief but this is horror yeah you can't do three hours you know uh you're gonna need to you're gonna need to cut this down to a snappy a snappy buck 40 and don't cut out anything with special effects. Well, and uh, the way that I had so, heard it yeah. is that the VFX supervisor, um, God, what was it? It's like a, a Wally. I don't know VFX people very well. It's like Wally uh, Vivers or something. I think had mm-hmm. died when the movie was still when the VFX were still being done. That's right. I did. I. I heard about this, yes. Yeah, and that they, like, basically looked at how much he had left to do in the time he had to do it, and they were like, I don't know what the fuck his plan was. We don't know how to to get that done. That seems impossible. And uh, I don't know. I might be, I might be, like, misremembering Dude didn't really die. Dude was just like, I'm never going to make this deadline. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Fakes his own death. A VFX supervisor (laughs) would do that, wouldn't he? Um... But yeah, didn't man end up like doing it himself or something? Yes. That's crazy. I don't even know what that means. I mean, I'll tell you, it would be surprising if it was anyone but Michael Mann. But that's nothing. Okay, so you're saying from three hours to basically, what, 90 minutes or so? That's half the movie. It's, yeah, exactly. That's what That's I'm saying. A, I mean, I've heard this story many times of like, oh, there was, some, you know, like you said, the Alan Smithy yeah. story. We've talked about it yeah. a couple of times on the show. The even, you know, sometimes the director disowns the cut, sometimes they don't. But this is the whole story of Sometimes a, they can't. Don't don't forget the of course. they want an Alan Smithy, but they're not allowed. That's a big one. Right. I love those right. stories too. And you know, I mean, this is also kind of like David Lynch's Dune. It's kind of like mm-hmm. um, Fincher's Alien 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's there's actually probably a, a lot of better more specific you, ones knights of bad Astum. uh can oh, yeah, you sure. um can you and you would know this probably better than i do uh i would but can you think of any example of a studio coming in hacking up somebody's vision and the movie turning out better um or is this just is this just an experiment 
that we just continue to perform that never ends in success. Well, it's funny because we even talked about this as recent as like Super Mario Brothers. Right. And, you know, Super Mario Brothers was a movie that had some cult appeal. And then when people learned that there was so much more footage and like a different version of it, then suddenly the cult appeal version was like, no, fuck that version. The real stuff is like mm -hmm. the one with extra, you know, material. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, certainly not. Blade Runner, you know? Yeah, uh, but I also mean, like, I feel like obviously it would not get as much public play. Like, there wouldn't yeah. be, like, the movie that the movie that they took away from fucking Josh Trank and cut to save it. Right. Like, well, and, in, and it's amazing. In um, truth, I can remember, actually, if, uh, I'll remind you off, off the, the tapped phone call, but, um, you know, there have been movies we've done on the show that I later found out the director did not know how to make a movie and they brought other people in to secretly, like, basically remake the film. Yes, um, I know that movie as yes, well. This, sorry, the, I'm trying to make it sound like this happens a lot. It's just one specific movie that <laughs> I won't mention. But, but yeah, so, you know, if the studio's doing it, the studio's probably trying to cover that pretty well. It's a bad story mm -hmm. for them. Like, the studio doesn't want to go out there and be like, our director sucked, but we saved it, right. don't worry. Right, right. Although, I don't know, as much as we're moving towards uh, the studio system again, I could totally see, yeah. you know, A A24, like, creating an AI, like those uh, CGI pop stars, you know? And just there being are like, versions, yeah. Introducing There's the versions Metaverse of uh, avatar of A24, <laughs> this is the new director of all your favorite movies. I think there we are moving into a place where A24 would definitely be the studio to do it because all it's going to take is some director to like whip his dick out in front of an actor and then he's going to get booted off the movie. A24 is just going to finish it themselves in quotes and uh, and they'll be like A24 saved the movie. Oh yeah, yeah. and then so you know that's the story that will break uh, is that A24 took the movie away from a creep and saved it. Because that's the only way they're going to be able to fucking get people to buy tickets. Well, um, I wonder about this with films, too, if they aren't. So you look at The Keep and the, the cult appeal to The Keep. Now, if The Keep is better in three hours long, you have to ask yeah. the question of are we more likely to know about it or less likely? Does it wind up in this uh, package of cult movies or... Does it just hit more like middle of the road? Sure. You know, when I was doing those French extreme movies for Brooklyn Horror, one of them that they wanted to program was Base Moi. And Base Moi is a movie like I could have worked on Base Moi, and from a technical aspect, there's a lot of things where I could have, you know, like that movie wasn't lit, it had no lighting. Yeah. Right. And so, really, like, any technical prowess yeah. in any field like that, you could make it better. But if that movie was lit better, would it be a better movie or would it actually in sure. a weird way be, you know what I mean? It'd be like less notable. Yeah, that's the thing. Like in a lot of ways, the thing that makes The Keep or the other movie that's like jumping to mind is Nightbreed, mm -hmm. right? Like these movies come out and they are in some ways objectively unsuccessful films. But they develop a defiant, contrarian audience that will defend them. And it's that 
it's that controversy that puts the movie into a cult place, right? Yeah. Like you basically need the yin and yang of of somebody with some authority going, this is trash, and somebody with their own authority going, this is brilliant, and neither of them being objectively incorrect. That's how you get the keep on criterion. Well, I think this movie has a, like a, a real buffet of different things that you can kind of grab, and the incoherence makes them more buffet-like. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not quite the... I don't know, not to, I'm not so in love with this metaphor, I really want to extend it. But, you know, somebody could make you a, a proper mediocre meal of food, or they could separate the many, many ingredients and lay them out in front of you, and you can kind of, like, see everything Make a for worse what one it is. by picking and choosing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right, mm-hmm. right. But if you imagine, like, instead of a buffet, you just took out your ingredient and mixed it in a bowl, it would not necessarily taste good. Sure. Um, again, we've over overextended the metaphor, but it's like when I think <laughs> about the keep, you know, this is a a movie that has a creature to it, you know, a monster to yep. it. It is yep. a movie that is also like very of the era of VFX. Yep. Sure. And it has this story that's like um, partial Nazi. Yeah, partial, partial Nazi. <laughs> well, you know, it's like a very... When you said the Indiana Jones kind of element, like that's what I was thinking. Yeah. You know the part that, that works for me the most? in Ian McKellen. Is the... Uh, <laughs> see what I mean? It's a grab bag. Yeah, yeah. There is an element... I don't know. I'm going to... I'm going to... Um, Help me out here because I'm just going to stumble around in the dark and I don't know if you have any fucking clue what I'm talking about. But uh, this movie is, I think it's the Carpathian Mountains they're in. So it's like, it's not in Russia itself, but it's over in like the, what's over there? It's like Slovakia, Romania, that Ukraine's over there. Eastern Europe. We'll call it Eastern Europe. Right. And they're yeah. looking at the writing. The writing's the thing that, that really got me on this kick. But there's the, um, I think it's Slavonic, the writing. It's not Cyrillic, but it kind of reminded me of that same thing. We're in a, a similar region. And, yeah. and, you know, the writing is sort of like not everybody knows what it says. They got to translate it. They're not really sure what dangers lie within something's unleashed, it drives the village mad. Like this kind of story, there is a, I'm not sure if it's a genre or not, or if I just want it to be a genre, and I wish I was a better writer, I would, I would <laughs> make something in this genre. But something I've always been really interested in is this idea of like dark Russia, or of sure. like, um, you know, the unknown parts so you have russia russia is you know the biggest country uh on earth geographically and much of it is considered literally uninhabitable like 80 percent of it right yeah so you know there's cities in russia but when you look at it on a map when you just spin the globe around and you're like oh what's this giant thing here i wonder what's there the idea of going to Russia or a lot of this region on a map 
like to open a satellite view in your maps mm -hmm. and just look at it is kind of frightening to me. Yeah. You know, that I'm going to like see something I shouldn't or it's gotten a little of that what works on Channel X kind of feel sure. to it. Where well, I'm it's, like, it's, that, it's very yeah. unknown, unknown Russia. Yeah, it's like, that, I don't know what's going on in there. It's a, it's another, it's a final frontier sort of thing. It's like how people are like, well, you know, we don't, we know less about our oceans than we know about outer space. And that's why Cthulhu is there. Totally. Right? Yeah. Well, it's there's that, all sorts that of same, potential fucked upness. Yeah. There's that, uh, there's that, I think it's called the, the like the diet law of pass. Is that the, is that the one where like the people like just got naked and then like all died for no reason? Yeah, that's the exact well, where something interrupts them in the yeah. middle of the night and we don't yeah. know what and they all just run out. Yeah, like naked and crazed as the, you know, <laughs> as the more like urban legendy of it. It's probably yeah. just like a fucking bear attacks their tent or something, right? But no, you know, yeah, the, but there's like no evidence of anything. It's like, yeah, it's that's I sort of the exactly creepiness of it. About. And yeah. it's like, so what happened up there that mm -hmm. forced all these people to just run out of their tents, not have any of their like not put coats on and just fucking mm -hmm. freeze to death instead of face the horror that's up there. And we mm -hmm. don't know because it just slipped back into the uninhabitable part of Russia. Right. That's very scary to me. There's all sorts of like meteorite craters, just like tons of them. Yeah, and just out there, and the, and like, and, the, and not only are there like meteorite craters, but there's like meteorite craters, and then like abandoned excavation equipment. Oh yeah, yeah. And you're, and it's just like, what happened, and why did we stop? Why did we start? Like, it's what is almost, that? It's like um, one of the, you know, it's kind of like the this uh, this mini subgenre of space horror movies where there was like, um, you know, the one where there's like a secret Apollo mission we didn't know about, or where yeah, yeah, yeah. something, you know, we we went out to space for another moon landing, but it it went horribly yeah. wrong, or uh, yeah. you know. The Russian sleep experiment, that's another one mm -hmm. that's, that's like, or there's, there's said to be like handfuls of active serial killers in Russia today that mm -hmm. we just don't know where they are because it's so fucking big. And right. so a lot of this stuff is a little urban legendy and it's not really rooted in reality. But to talk about it as fiction, you know, this idea that like it's also a lawless place obviously russia is in the news a lot uh but it, it just seems like there are there's crimes there that are sanctioned by the government in fact are committed mm -hmm. by the government but certainly would be overlooked by the government and and part of this is it's honestly maybe a little racist of a perspective too because i just have this idea that like russia is maybe a, a backwards place where there's no law you know, so that is like probably not a great. It's a view that's very in vogue today. But if you listen to the show right. in you know ten years or something, it might really sound right. like an asshole thing to think. But yeah, all of this stuff just makes me. It's really the uninhabitable part. It's the part that's like so much of this mass we don't know what's going on, and whether the keep is literally in Russia or on the border or in the. Carpathian Mountains or wherever the fuck, it's that same idea of, okay, there's a keep here. Sure. What the fuck is in it? Oh, let's go in there. There's this writing. We don't understand it. 
it's mysterious and you go deeper and deeper and it's like there are hidden secrets and, you know, oh, no one's ever died in here, you know? Right. Uh, I love that idea. I just find it so, like, haunting and, and distressing, but also, like, kind of exciting. And, and uh, there's not a lot in horror that really freaks me out under the skin anymore. Yeah. You know, like, jump scares, there's always a new inventive way to do a jump scare. But to really creep under the skin and this idea of just some kind of, like, area that man hasn't touched. I guess that's it. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, Michael Mann. That's why it works it. on the moon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. I, I, uh, I think that sort of like, I don't know if this is exactly what you're approaching, but like one of the things I thought was most interesting about the keep in respect to its production saga is that while you're watching it and it's, you know, it's, it's sort of clunky. It's like, a cl- I mean, it clunky in the eighties way, not in any way, like disparaging the film, mm. but unlike most other movies that would fall at its, in its peer group, I don't for a second believe that this movie doesn't know the lore that it's actually covering. Like whatever is actually going on in this keep the movie actually does know every single piece of it, every aspect of it, every, like all the minutia of how it works, how it doesn't work, how to make it stop. Like the, it's, it, the movie knows it. It's not making it up. It's not winging it. It's not fucking Hellraiser three. And it's like, and that to me is like, that is the Michael Mannness of the keep because Michael Mann fucking learns to crack a safe before he makes a movie about a safe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you do have to wonder what the Michael Mann, the more yeah. Michael Mann version of this really looks like. And if it does, yeah. you know, it, it almost it seems like it almost has to be straighter. Like it almost has to make more sense. It's possible, it's possible that if he had completed his three-hour saga, we may have accidentally actually summoned this being because he would have essentially given us a playbook. Oh my God, that's a real like interior leather bar kind of idea. Is that uh, yeah. <laughs> that fucking um, uh, James Branco movie about uh, the the scenes that were left out of cruising? Yes. So you know you make a movie that's like Michael Mann got too close to the truth, and they had, yeah. to, they had to cut the fuck out of his movie. It's like it's like. Um, Almost like a caper film or something. Somebody has to go steal a reel of the film and make sure yeah. it doesn't Nas- get out to National public. Treasure 3. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I got to go uh, figure out what, what the case of Dr. Jekyll is, and then uh, I'll yeah. call you and it's... tell you about it. Okay. Or you call me. You figure it out. You fucking yeah, I'll call, call you. Me. No, I already figured it out. I figured it out. I'm hanging up on you anyways. Bye. <laughs> right. Looking for more double feature? Find nearly thousands of episodes at patreon.com forward slash double feature. All right. The strange strange case (laughs) of Dr. Jekyll and Miss Osborne. Miss Osborne, yes. But do 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 you know the French title?
Um, isn't it, uh, it's like uh, Dr. Jekyll and Les Femmes? Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Uh, I don't really know the story with the title. I know that's like a big to-do about the movie. Um, the Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll will always remind me of that movie we watched at the Music Box way back. You remember that? It's like the, uh, yeah. the curious case of I don't yeah. See, you're now title. you're doing it. Everything's fucking Benjamin Button once you don't know the title. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a pretty wild movie, and you know, yeah. there's there's just a few things that are really like. This is not a movie that. I feel like overall there's a lot of minutia. There's all these things I want to deconstruct. It, it instead is just an example of holy fuck, you have to see it for these X, Y, or Z reasons. And so I set that up so that I can kind of like, I, I just want you to know that I've got like two things to lay down about this movie that I feel intensely passionate about. Yeah, And I kind of wanted to hear your take on it. Well, so one of the things, here's one of my big takes, and it's kind of like oddly topical because Gabriel Byrne was in uh, The Keep. Mm -hmm. But um, I, this was, this is, so this movie is from 1981, which basically makes it a 70s movie, but it's technically an 80s movie. And this is from a time, from a time I always like to fucking fucking put a pin in which is it's from a time before home video yeah and uh it's also from a time cinematically when uh a movie that came out in france didn't like necessarily get the american treatment and then brought back out you know what i mean like mm -hmm. nowadays like it's only a matter of time before fucking jack black stars in parasite or some shit but like back then a movie came out in France and it just ended up in the cult circuit or eventually ended up on like video cassette when that was happening. But I swear to God, I swear to God, there's just something too similar to Gothic about this movie. Oh, hell yeah. The... And it made the, yeah, the, the Mary Shelley backstory, also starring uh, Gabriel Byrne. And I'm like watching this movie and I'm just like, wait a second. Did Gothic just steal this movie before that was like the Vogue? Was Gothic like, nobody saw this fucking French bullshit. Let's just do it again. Yeah, the Ken Russell film. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, it's also, uh, it, it has, man, I guess in a lot of ways it has a similar feeling. Yeah, that would be a fucking it's, double feature too to watch this in Gothic. I'm not sure who oh that God. double feature is for, but it is <laughs> a double feature. To yeah. Be sure. Um, but that's all I could think about is like I was like, I started the movie, and I was like, oh, I wonder. I at first I was like, oh, I wonder if like Gothic was a remake. I'm like, that wasn't happening in the 1980s. Period. That wasn't like how people were doing things, and. Uh, and then the more I watched it, the more I was just like, this is interesting because like, it's not just like borrowing pages. It's like this movie is a playbook for mm -hmm. this whole like gross, weird little 80s movie that came out to follow. You know, this, this is 1981. So this is early. 
but like there's a lot of these like gross movies that just kind of go like it's sort of about literature but basically like we're gonna fucking kill people yeah and it's not even pretending it it's like dr jekyll or whatever he's like yeah i'm gonna leave my uh, house to mr hyde and we're all like okay well we're humans so we know the basic plot here and then they're like oh no somebody's killing people it's just i mean it, it is the the like facsimile of like a skeletal plot just to create an excuse of like sex and murder it's just right there it's they're like i don't know dr jekyll and fuck the women that's why that's why i was uh that's why I, i'm like so hung up on the american title versus the french title because the american title is the strange case of dr jekyll and ms osborne but the french title translates in english to dr jekyll and the women right it's you know a little more it's, little leaning a little more into the erotica maybe right yeah so it's but it's but there's very, something extremely yeah. funny just about the strange case it, it's like overly formal you know yeah for a, I know. for a movie that is like fucking feral at points yeah uh, yeah. To to be like, excuse me, in the matter concerning Doctor Jekyll and Miss Osborne, <laughs> just like, oh, hold hold on, let me brush the dust off my top hat here. Give me a moment. Right. Yeah, this uh, director whose fucking name I'm not even good. Don't don't even try to catch me no, up on a, his this name. Is a I'm tough not even good at. This is a tough one. Yeah. Um, look it up yourself. But it's a French uh, West German co-production. Yeah, which is like two areas that I'm just really interested in film right now. So it's very cool. Mm-hmm. But the director was known for these kind of, uh, they're, they're like art house erotica movies or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Any, yeah. any way of really putting a label on it is to oversimplify the, the very well, I, unique thing it is. I've mentioned on the show before, before that Sam Goody box set that I bought when they were going out of business called Horrorlicious. And oh, yeah, to me, yeah. that's this genre. Yeah. Where it was just it was just nine movies that were like, ooh, spooky, but sex. Yes. Yeah. That's literally where I saw Gothic, by the way, to be it was part of this box. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny that Gothic's in there. I mean, it's also the the way these movies live in my head is like I see them and while I'm watching them, my brain is much more like, oh yeah, this is this is pornography with a light art dressing. Right. And then as time goes on, I'm like, this is a haunted work of high art that, oh yeah, I think <laughs> there might've been a nude scene in it. And right. that's how Gothic is too. Gothic in my mind is like, yeah, yeah, that was a very serious, that's like a Renaissance painting of a movie. And right. I'm sure if I watched it today, I'd be like, um, you know, playing count the nipple. <laughs> yeah, or, or count the count the eyes replacing nipples. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, the the first thing that I really want to fucking hit on with this movie is that thing you mentioned. That's like, oh no, there's someone in our house. So uh, yeah. an intruder has mysteriously <laughs> appeared. We don't know where Doctor Jekyll is, and oh, there's someone rummaging around the house. Yeah. And okay, so Dr. Jekyll's a, a part two. We're now dividing this into sub, sub bullets, I guess. But <laughs> even as I say that, there's an element that's kind of like, oh no, there's someone in our house. And then the house is just so big and such a labyrinth that it's kind of like saying there's a murderer loose in the town. 
but let's also hold on you're you're misrepresenting this to anybody who didn't uh, who didn't watch it mm-hmm. it's not oh no there's someone in our house it's oh no there's someone in dr jekyll's house oh yes yes of course which is very important when you find out that the person also lives there yes there's someone right there's someone here oh his roommate that's uh yeah. one step removed here yeah while i what i was gonna say is i love that the house itself is um tell me if you get this feeling but i think because of the way they shoot it it's so claustrophobic there's all these doorways and i just feel like i never know the layout of this fucking house oh, yeah. they're in absolutely yeah so when, when they're like, oh, no, a murderer is loose in the house, we've all yeah. got to protect, you know, everybody from the, the heinous things that could occur. It's kind of like you can't go through militantly and clear room by room because the house is just I've now seen the entire runtime of this movie and I cannot draw you a picture of even probably two rooms that connect to each other. And uh, that's pretty bewildering and really is, I think, one of the, the bits of magic of this film is that you're just on guard because you're, you're so, uh, it's like dizzying, basically. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But then the other thing is, you know, this, this guy shows up. After I watch this, it kind of makes all of the other adaptations of Jekyll and Hyde seem like, oh, why didn't they go for it? Sure. You know, because it is so vicious. The whole story of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is supposed to be the the good and evil, the two sides of a personality, the sort of um, angel and devil on the shoulder. Please, just say the duality of man. Okay. <laughs> the, the duality of man. Um, but it's, it's more than the duality of man to me because it, it's a story that if it is a horror film... It's not just about somebody who's who's cheery and somebody who's grumpy right. or somebody who sees the good in life and the bad in life. It's literally about someone who is an angel, a uh, man of science, and then like an agent of fucking chaos, the devil, mm-hmm. the truest evil on earth. Right. And if you're if you are gonna tell the horror version of this that lives in those extremes of you know, the the perfect angel, the gentleman, and then just um, Satan incarnate. Mm-hmm. Then, like, why why is he not committing the the highest atrocities on earth? Right. Like, why is he just like a little bit a little bit worse? Well, that's what I that's how I feel. Right. Is every time yeah. we see Hyde in movies, he's always yeah. just like kind of a jerk and maybe yeah. kills a person. Maybe, right. if it's extreme. Mm-hmm. And this yeah. Hyde is so fucking brutal. He's like feral. He's like a raping maniac. Uh, the the sort of sadism, the child abuse, the... Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched Inside again recently. Uh-huh. Not even for Brooklyn Horror. Actually, prior to that, uh, IFC showed it, and I went, they did this Pregnant with Fear um, oh, that's, that's good. I was, I was actually just thinking that we really like biffed it by not, by not headlining, uh, today's show theme as the duality of man. Um, yeah. but pregnant with fear is good. Pregnant with fear. 
Yeah, and so they played Inside, and I saw that again, and I forgot how much the woman from Inside is like, she's like a fucking Terminator. Yeah. You know? Yeah. She's horrifying. She gets in the house and just starts knocking down doors, and you're like, oh, if I get in the line of sight of this person, the right. word, it'll be like being attacked by a fucking shark. Yeah. And I think that that kind of killer is so scary to me it's why i use a word like feral it's just sort of like Mm -hmm. can't be reasoned with and the thing it's going to do to you is going to be the worst it's like the the smash cut in it follows or something it's just like right oh yeah and when hyde enters the room you just don't know what he's going to do but he's he's probably going to overkill every time yep yeah. And pulverize, and that's if he doesn't commit some kind of like sexual atrocity. Well, but you're also the the other thing that's like that the movie like does that it doesn't have to do, but it like chooses to do is like he's also like mentally abusive. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's what I mean by sadism. Yeah, right? he's not even. It's not even just like I'm gonna rape and murder. He's like like people are like. It, people are like essentially like, oh man, this is like really hard for me to handle. He's like, who fucking cares? Nothing matters. <laughs> like, you should just start oh, no, killing other people as well. Yeah, it's just like it's 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 just like the actual worst. Yeah, he is played like it. Like previous iterations of Mister Hyde are like you wouldn't want to sit next to him on an airplane. Totally. So that's what I mean. They're they're polite. They're quaint. I don't just mean by comparison either, because I've always felt a little uh, let yeah. down by the underwhelmed by underwhelmed the totally of Mr. Hyde. Yeah. Well, I never really got behind that story because I never saw an an incarnation of it that I felt like really um, just grabbed your attention and wouldn't fucking let go. Yeah, you know, there was never something that made you sit up and go like, "Holy fuck, what is going right. on here?" Right. Until I saw this. And right. even though it's not like the most neatly tucked around the corners and all other aspects of the movie, um, just kind of the same as The Keep, I guess, there are these things that stick out that I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to this movie for this. Yeah. And this idea of somebody who you are so afraid of because they just represent every one of the worst things. Yeah, you know, that I mean, could it's just, happen to a person. It's just chaotic, chaotic neutral or chaotic, right? I always get that shit wrong when you're talking about the alignment charts. It's not chaotic evil. It's chaotic neutral is like the really, really chaotic one. Right? Yeah, I wonder, you know, I'll always take the bait on the D&D alignment chart. <laughs> um, yeah, I wonder how you would put hide from this movie. You could probably map all of the yeah. hides onto this chart. And unfortunately, they would probably all be lawful good because that's about how hard people try when they do the story. I yeah, don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah so, neutral. all right. So, if he's chaotic good, he has yeah. like some sort of uh, corrupt moral compass. That might be a chaotic right. good. Um, right. Or he, or it's like a, like a, a person who will break the law in order to get justice might be a chaotic good, maybe. Right. And then a chaotic evil is sort of like want to watch the world burn. Right. So but it, like actively, like burn the world. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah. I think a chaotic neutral is sort of has 
maybe no moral compass. I or... I always think I always think of chaotic neutral as as essentially like the personified form of entropy, where it's just like I'm gonna knock down whatever's standing up. Period. Oh yeah, so care. it's like it's you got know? a set of like almost like internal uh, rules that it plays by. Yeah. So it, it's not necessarily it's definitely not a moral code. But it's also right. not just like like the entire world on fire. It's, right. It's almost like um, more surgical than that. Yeah. It's just it's essentially just like you know when you think of entropy from like a naturalistic standpoint, it's like water would prefer to be spilled out of the glass because like water doesn't like to be holding a shape, and yeah, like yeah. chaotic neutral to me is just like somebody who's just going to knock the glass over because it creates more chaos. Yeah, or someone who is chaotic as a result of just how they are like all sure. Hyde is doing is being Hyde you would right. never try to fix Hyde sure because there's no <laughs> there's no uh kind of like oh this used to be a good person right there's if only no, we yeah. could correct some of this behavior there's it's no, like Hyde is an element to begin with yeah <laughs> yeah good so I think of it kind of like Maybe not even like a machine, but just like a force of nature. Sure. You know, you're not going to argue with a tornado to make it benevolent or something. It's just like it's chaotic neutral. It's just going to do what it, what its, yeah. um, what its nature is to do. <laughs> this is actually, it's funny, this is a lot harder to do when you're not trying to just like map, you know, every character from Buffy the Vampire Slayer onto this, uh, <laughs> onto this right. fucking MySpace chart here, but... Yeah, that's interesting. So the the second thing I was going to say about this movie that I think it just nails is the transformation. And it chooses to do this Jekyll and Hyde with two different actors. One, I don't mm -hmm. know how we haven't mentioned um, at this point. Uh, well, I'll do the one whose name I'm, I'm still struggling to remember, but it's like, um, I think it's like Gerard uh, Zolkberg, maybe? I don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, whatever, look it up. You have the internet. But the other one's Udo Kier. Dr. Jekyll yeah. is played by Udo Kier, which is yeah. crazy. Yeah. Uh, old Udo Kier movies, always worth looking up. If you, if you want, not to interrupt you, but like no, this is actually a really good example of what you were saying because a typical Jekyll Hyde movie, Udo Kier would be Hyde. Well, and also... <laughs> Udo Kier would be Jekyll, and then they would put a, a weird, they'd glue some latex on his face, and then he'd be Hyde. They'd give right. him, like, a crazy Hulk bodysuit, and then he'd be Hyde, right. you know? Yeah, I saw League of Extraordinary Gentlemen as well. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I can't. <laughs> at, least, uh, at least my example was a, a physical <laughs> effect prosthetic, you know? Not yeah. a, then you would just CG a circle around him, and he'd be Hyde, you know? Right. There is this transformation scene between the two characters where, like, all right, so they're getting away with it for a while because it's like yeah. Udo Kier walks into the other room to use the telephone and out walks Hyde for some reason, you know. Yep. Um, but then there comes a moment, and I didn't know they're going to do it, but they do this transformation where Udo Kier goes into this bathtub and is just having a fucking fit. Mm-hmm. And eventually goes down and comes up as Hyde, yep. as another actor. And the water is splashing around so much that they can't do this with another cut. I'm actually watching this with a friend of mine who's a production designer. 
and so embarrassing because I'm like, I'm looking at this, you know, as a cinematographer and a person who has had to do their own VFX mm -hmm. and is going like, okay, well, where, how did they, so this was on film, obviously, look at the fucking look of this movie. And, yeah. And, you know, of course, the year and stuff. But I'm just looking at it going like, okay, well, could they have edited on a computer back then? The edits are so like, how do you stitch this together? And as I'm trying to talk to him about this, and because I'm just so amazed that they pulled off this transition this way, he's just like, no, idiot. They just build a false floor under the bathtub and they do it all in camera. <laughs> and it's like, oh, fucking of course. Because yeah. they've done such a good job selling that the house is a house that I'm not sitting there. I'm sitting there going, well, okay, so this is clearly a room in this very real house with a real bathtub. So how does one actor go underwater and then just splash right back up as another actor? That's impossible. Right. Because it's a real bathtub in a real house. Except it's fucking not. It's just meant to look like a bathtub. Right. I mean, sure. I don't know that it's done this way, but this is what would make sense. Yeah. Does your friend want to chime in on this? Uh, I don't know. Somebody's got a fucking dog in their car. And that <laughs> dog wants to not shut up. I thought from the previous sounds on the show that you yourself were maybe blasting off to the moon or something. I didn't know what <laughs> sort of jet engine. You'd, you'd, think, you'd think that things would get quieter in this city as it gets darker, but it just gets weirder. The noises become more conspicuous. Well, look, as uh, society crumbles all around us, the soundscape of this show is just going to get more and more apocalyptic. So what are this you is do? true. Yeah. Um, I was kind of vamping while this siren goes by, but I just don't think this is the kind of show that can do that anymore. I think we just have <laughs> sirens. My point was uh, the transformation is mind-blowing. I agree. How's no, that? it's a, it's the, movie, the movie is way more fun than it really has any right to be. Um, and anything that reminds me of Gothic just puts me in a weird, weird good place. Yeah, there's two other uh, films that are a little more well-known, I think, by this director. One is Immoral Tales, and the other is The Beast. Those are both from, like, I think the mid-70s. Huh. And I haven't seen either, and I, I am so fucking excited to see what the fuck. Just yeah. even to see what they look like. The look of this movie is so crazy. It's like... Uh, very, very low f-stop kind of haze to everything. Right. Just like right. these lens defects and everything's glowing. There's fucking shafts of light all over the place. It's contrasty. Yep. Uh, it's just another world of a uh, movie. And I, I don't know. I'm just very curious. It, it just reminds me of like discovering movies before I'd seen so many and kind of finding a new director and going like, holy shit, look at these movies. Oh, there's more of these? Wow. I wonder what those right. look like. You know, more right. it's cool to know there's there's more uh horrifying treasures out there, I guess. Yeah. It's just like you were saying with when Criterion puts the trailer together, you're like, how are there more? I've seen everything. Never enough. Never enough. All right. Um I don't have anything pithy to say to you, so I'm gonna just hang up now. Okay, bye. Bye. This show is brought to you by the Double Feature Executive Producers. Hello, this is the Arnold Budd. Now, if you like, I will read you the producers of this episode. Corwin Alexander, Hilda Laverty, The About of Unreason, 
Britt Hayton, Dushul Shaparu, Sean Graham, Tom Leonard, Tony Gleed, Chorus Tunemaker, Henrik Dinter, Ben Ecker, Charles Crawford, CMG, Charles Cannon Erie, and finally, Jeremy Marmon If you like the show, help keep it on the air by joining patreon.com forward slash double feature.